Today's episode is about River Phoenix, and it's a sad one, so grab your Kleenex. He really liked to play guitar, but his day job was a movie star. Although he made many a friend, no one could stop his tragic end. It all went down at the Viper Room, the hipster club that became his tomb. That's today on Death in Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that have stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. Ah! What do you call this thing anyway? Death in entertainment. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on? What is happening, everybody? Hey, now. My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Mulcairin. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. And boy, we got an episode for you today, Mr. River Phoenix. Yeah. The one and only. This one's spooky this week. Yeah, it is. It's going to get spookier and spookier Ooh. as we go to Halloween. As we approach okay. the day of Los Muertos. <laughs> Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go all the way back to October 31st, Halloween Ooh. 1993. Ow, ow, ow. Hey, uh, Mark. Yes. Can you please help us out with the top movies? Oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, so top movies, October 31st, 1993. Number three, Demolition Man with $4 million. I see you have checked off here. So thank you for that specific. I like that movie. Yeah, it's a pretty good action flick. Stallone. Snipes. Snipes. And Dennis Leary is the weird guy smoking underground there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you know, I'm fucking crazy. I, w- I want to get cancer. <laughs> I live on the ground here because I'm a rat. <laughs> now that Bill Hicks is dying, <laughs> yeah. my career can really take off. Yeah, thank God that guy's gone because I stole all the shit. <laughs> and don't forget about Sandra Bullock. Yeah, Sandra Bullock is, you know. I think she's an underrated 90s actress. I think I watched The Net a lot. Definitely an underrated movie. Yeah, it's amazing. The technology and all that, you know, whatever they're doing there is bullshit, but who cares? <laughs> I love the part where she orders a pizza using the desktop computer. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Predicted the future. She just got pepperoni on it, I think. If, yeah. if, I, if my uh, memory serves me correctly here. Also, the technology is not bullshit. Just ask Walt Disney, okay? What, wait, what, do you, what does that even mean? Because they get frozen. No, we're talking about the net. Oh. You think we're talking about Nanette? Yeah. You, <laughs> let's move on. Let's talking move about on. Demolition let's, Man. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. They did get frozen in that. Yeah. So now I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, number two, <laughs> the Beverly Hillbillies. I guess it was a remake. Y'all come back now. You hear? You Horace hear Leachman? Yes, as Granny. Yes. Yeah. And Jim Varney. Jim Varney, yeah. Erica Elaniac is oh, the daughter. Wow. Yeah, she was she was something else when I was a kid. And a hot cameo from Dolly Parton. Oh, really? She was in that? Mm-hmm. Who are the like shitty neighbors like that that hate that? Dabney Coleman. He was oh yeah. <laughs> from Clifford. Yes. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, in number one, The Nightmare Before Christmas. One Excellent. of my favorite movies. I loved it. Yeah, I love this movie. And a great halfway between Christmas and Halloween movie. Absolutely. Yeah, right slap dab in the middle. 
That's right, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Smack dab. I said slap dab. <laughs> I wasn't about to correct you. Yeah. Well, I corrected myself. So that's, that's the movie need. situation around now. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you. In the world of music. Oh, okay. wait. There is one more movie. Wait a second. Ooh. What? Isn't it on the list? Oh, yeah. At number 14, A Bronx Tale earning $1 million. Oh, wow, because that was an HBO movie. They just did on, they put it on HBO. Oh, is that true? I yeah. put that there for you, Mark. Okay. Because we have argued about this in the past. Oh, really? A Bronx Tale was a theatrical movie. Oh, okay, and I said it was just HBO? Yeah, you were very passionate Well, about it didn't. It. <laughs> it didn't play in Framingham, Massachusetts, I'll tell you that much right now. Then how did it earn a million bucks? Yeah, I know, with that huge market in Framingham. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Kyle. In the world of music, October 31st, 1993, number three on the Billboard charts is All That She Wants by Ace of Bass. All that she wants is another baby. Gone tomorrow. Yeah. That's a good one. I like it. Ace of Bass. This is their moment. Yeah. Yeah. What What was their their main song though? That I was, saw the, the sign, sign. Yeah. and it opened up my eyes. I, I saw, saw the sign. Yeah. I remember I saw a very attractive girl when I was like twelve years old singing that song, and maybe it kind of like it. Ooh. <laughs> if it was an ugly chick, you would have been not loving that. Song. <laughs> no, I would have. Uh, I would have hated this moment right now. Number two, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. By Meatloaf. I would do anything for... I'm going to sing every song. Today. I didn't know this was a, a 90s release. I always thought it was older. Yeah, he had like a resurgence in the 90s. This was from Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell. Yeah. And iron Yeah, the sequel. <laughs> Ironically, Meatloaf is now in hell, actually. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> but he's gonna be rescued by somebody soon yeah and then go to heaven jesus Perfect. christ you're sending meatloaf to hell that's really harsh man. r.i.p meatloaf <laughs> yeah i got nothing against meatloaf loved you as that dude with big tits in fight club yeah richard jenkins was that no that's an that's actor, an actor. <laughs> bob bob yes okay bob, bob with bitch tits bitch tits uh number one dream lover by Mariah Carey, 13th week on the charts. I'm a fan. Yeah. That's been established now that you're a fan of Mariah and J-Lo. Yeah, the J-Lo I'm kind of shaky on, but um, no confirmation on me saying the J-Lo <laughs> thing. But yes, the Mariah Carey. Uh, other things of note that have happened at this time. Rapper Tupac Shakur was charged with aggravated assault. Oh, no. Beating people up. Yeah, I remember that he went to jail. And I guess uh, that's where him and Madonna started dating in jail or something. What? He she said, was in jail with him? I don't know. She she visited him and they had like a relationship in jail or something. What? Yeah. <laughs> I need to hear more about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. We got to delve into that at some point. But And Sean Penn came to visit him because he was getting ready for the movie he did where he uh, got the death penalty. Dead Man Walking. Dead Man Walking. Yeah, he went to go visit him there. And what was he finding out? Just, you know, hey, how's jail? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dead man walking. Tell yeah. me about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brett Kelly was born. If you don't know that name, it's the uh, curly-haired cherub Thurman Merman from Pad Santa. With the kid? Yeah. Oh, my God. He was born. That's such a random fact. On Halloween 1993. Yeah. River Phoenix died so that Thurman Merman could live. Yeah. yeah. His spirit went into Thurman Merman <laughs> as he could see Bad Santa. Uh, and last thing of note, Italian filmmaker Federico Fellini died. Fellini. 
So uh, raise a Bellini for Fellini. Nice. <laughs> Hello. And eat a Panini. <laughs> Hello. And go rent a movie by Roberto Benini. Hey. And go fuck some linguini. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Hey, we wow. were family friendly. <laughs> I'm and, unleashed and today. We're all family at the Olive Garden. Where I'll be ordering the linguini <laughs> and unzipping. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you got your laughs in because... <sighs> It's about to get serious in here. Those are the last laughs to be had. Oh, really? In oh, this shit. episode. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Well, no, we don't want to say <laughs> We're going to have fun. River Bottom was born in Madras, Oregon in 1970. Wait, what? He was born River Bottom. So Phoenix is just created as like a, a totally made up last name for them. I'll get to that. Okay, Ooh. sorry. Don't want to jump the gun here. His parents were Arlen, not to be confused with Arliss, the hit HBO show from the <laughs> 90s starring Robert Wool. That was close. <laughs> And John Lee Bottom. Hmm. River was named after the River of Life from the novel Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. I've heard of this novel. I've I've never read it, but I'm not a big reader, so I don't know books. <laughs> <laughs> His parents read it. Yeah. It involves Buddha. I oh, it's like some. Um, it's a spiritual spiritual shit novel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, shit. Yeah, nice, Mark. Yeah, what I say. You said spiritual shit. Spiritual <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> That's the category in the library where you find that book. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for the spiritual shit section. <laughs> oh, Siddhartha. Yeah, right down there. <laughs> what, you're trying to name your kid or something? <laughs> <laughs> All right there, Mr. Bottom. Get out of here. I'm not a bottom, I'm a top. Hey, okay. Come We're on. off to a rousing start <laughs> yeah. here. We're unleashed. And no relation to Timothy Bottoms, uh, the George W. Bush. The, that's my Bush actor. Yeah, 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 that's my Bush. Two yeah. episodes in a row, this guy. Yeah, I'm going to make it three. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> River had four brothers and sisters, Rain, Liberty, Summer, and Joaquin. Liberty is an outlier there. That's someone that doesn't really make doesn't make sense with the rest of them. Yeah, I was waiting for like justice for all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all have very powerful names. Yeah, they're very unique, I would say. They're not traditional American names. There's no Todd Phoenix. Yeah, there's no Kyle. No Frank Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, there's no Mark. <laughs> I'm Chuck Bottom. <laughs> oh, that's actually a badass name. Chuck Bottom. Yeah. Chuck. Dun, dun, but for like porn, though. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm actually from a place called Bottom of the Lake hey. in oh. French. 
Fondulac. Yeah. Fondulac. River spent his early years traveling with his family around Latin America. They were missionaries for this Christian cult called the Children of God. Have you guys heard of the Children of God? Yeah, it's not good. No. <laughs> it doesn't have a good... Um... <laughs> it's infamously bad. Yeah, I've heard... Is it like a cult? Yeah. On some level? Okay. It's a uh, yeah. Christian new religious movement, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill Maher's here for some reason. <laughs> new rule. Yeah. No more religious cults, okay? No more children of God, okay? It was formed in Huntington Beach, California in 1968. Oh, yeah. That's where all the craziest shit gets formed. Like neo-Nazi skinheads like yeah. in Huntington Beach. Oh, man. And Nexium was probably formed there, too. Yeah, the yeah. Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, can you see, does it say that it's still going? Um, I believe it was shut down. It now is called the Family International, so it's kind of pivoted because I believe... That sounds better. <laughs> the Children of God got a bad rap. Yeah. Yeah, they had to do a little rebranding. Yeah. yeah. That's like image rehabilitation. If you want to work your way up to Jonestown, you go to Children of God or something. <laughs> Prefer Jonestown. <laughs> it's a stepping stone. You know, I like Kool-Aid as a kid. Yeah. Is this thing on, kids? Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> he said he liked Kool-Aid as a kid. <laughs> Kyle just shot me the dirtiest look. <laughs> like, you dare pass that off as a joke? <laughs> the dad, John Lee Bottom, was named the Archbishop of Venezuela and the Caribbean Whoa. by this cult. No, but you... But, like, you can make up your own religion and be the archbishop of anywhere. You That's know? how they reeled him in. Oh, oh. yeah. And this guy. Give him a high title. Yeah, yeah, he's got the whole family involved. That's <laughs> like when you're working at, like, uh, Staples. They're like, we'll give you a promotion. Just a title. No money, though. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They had no money. Yeah, oh, family. really? No. They weren't yeah, they paid seem, anything for this. They seem like they were pretty broke. As broke as can be. And they would go wherever God sent them. So their travels took them from Mexico to Puerto Rico to Venezuela, and they weren't making any friends either. Really, they're they're trying to they're, they're trying to nomadic. They're trying to convert these people, and like it must have been hell on the kids to have this kind of crazy like life. Must be nice to have God as your travel agent, though. That's pretty Oof, good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Booking Southwest flights for us. <laughs> Who booked this flight? God. He put me on spirit. Yeah. God watching over them. Yeah. There is a Tom Waits song called God's Away on Business. Nice. And that applies to their situation, I think. Because okay. he was not there to protect them. In an interview with Details magazine in November 1991, Rivers stated that he lost his virginity at age four. What? And that he didn't like to talk about it and dealt with it. How can you throw a bomb out there like that and just not even explain what exactly he's talking Who about? Who said this? River. That's not losing your virginity. That's being raped. That's an anal rape or yeah. something. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Vanity Fair reported that in their research, they found that, yes, he was raped at age four in this cult. Oh, Jesus wow. Christ. I didn't know about this. Yeah. A little bit more about this awful children of God. Some of the controversies were kids were encouraged to sleep in the bed while the parents would have sex. 
there was couple swapping, and then the kids were taught all about sex at very young ages, hence the River Phoenix revelation. Jeez, this is some weird 60s, 70s stuff, like uh, like the Mamas and the Papas uh, guy. Papa uh, John. Papa oh. John, yeah, and weird stuff like Mackenzie. that. Mackenzie. Mackenzie, yeah. Phillips. Yeah, his Phillips. daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His daughter, Mackenzie. Yeah. It's disgusting, and it's heinous. Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't involved. No. So the family left after these controversies. Yeah. Also, as little kids, to make some extra scratch, the kids would go out in the streets and perform for money. River would have a guitar. Yeah. And Rain would go around asking for coins. Like cute kids, you know. Yeah. You know, throw them a couple, couple bucks if you have it. The pathetic part is this was actually considered survival money for the family. <laughs> this is what they're living off of. Yeah. And as a refuge, after they left the children of God, the bottom family were taken in by the local Catholic church. Oh, okay. So another oh, religious better. institution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you like that, you'll love this. <laughs> it's like going from werewolves to zombies. Yeah. You know? They found themselves stranded in Caracas. Oh, Car- I've been to Caracas as a kid. Yeah. I was there in the 80s, and it was not a good place. It was like, this is the crazy uh, vacations my mom would put together. Like, <laughs> we go to like a, a third world country that's currently in the middle of a civil war. Like, Were you missionaries? No, we weren't. We just went for a week vacation. <laughs> <laughs> to Caracas. To Caracas, to Venezuela, yeah. Maybe you threw a nickel at River Phoenix. I It, it was very well possible. The countryside there where my parents took us was very poor there. It was really rough. I'm still surprised I survived this. I don't know what the fuck my parents were thinking. Which was crazier, 80s Caracas or Woodstock 99? Oh, good question. <laughs> Woodstock 99 was. I felt more wow. comfortable in Caracas, actually. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> the children of God is sounding better. <laughs> yeah. I want to join up. So the church that took the bottom family in, they gave them room and board in exchange for work. Again, this is so much pressure is put on these kids. River would perform at the Sunday Mass. In fact, River and Rain would do their whole routine, but this time it's in front of the congregation. So he would be playing music up front, singing, and Rain would go around and work the crowd, get them yeah, to clap, and a... probably pass around the collection They're plate. like the Righteous Gemstones or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so much pressure to put on kids, though. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. So this happened for a little while, but then one of the priests there, he was a family friend. Oh, boy. Here we go. But he actually helped them. Oh, okay. He eventually got them to Florida by way of a cargo ship. This story is nuts. Oh, my God. Couldn't they just get him on like a regular flight? This sounds like Ellis Island, 1900. (laughs) Yeah. I guess not. But they had nothing. Just because their parents are crazy radicals, the kids, kids have to suffer like this and, and tra- travel freight on ships, you know, going back to America and stuff. It's crazy. It's not fair. And people die doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they always find dead bodies and freight carriers and stuff. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> yeah. like The Wire, when they caught, like, those, uh, those 20 uh, poor girls in the box, yeah. basically, yeah. Upon arrival, the family changed their last name to Phoenix. To symbolize a new beginning. Rise from the ashes. Yeah. Nice. Of Caracas. (laughs) Do you know what year this was around? Yeah, this would have been early 80s. Early 80s. Wow. I was was there a couple years after that, which is like, I think 80... 
eight or something I was there where I think a coup happened soon after that with a left-wing militias kind of came in and took over. You accidentally started it. Yeah. I'm like Forrest Gump. I'm yeah. like... <laughs> you tripped over one of the soldiers yeah. and the gun went off. Yeah. You're like... They just start shooting. <laughs> it's like a slapstick movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about your left-wing militia. <laughs> An international incident was started today. I gotta pee. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about your coup. <laughs> I didn't mean to start the Civil War. That kid looks a lot like me, Jenny. Because <laughs> it's your fucking kid, you moron. Oh, jeez. All right. Um, where were we? <laughs> That's something you just held inside of you. You, want, you wanted to bring up. <laughs> the Phoenix family moved to Gainesville, Florida. And Gainesville at this time had an up-and-coming music scene. River was very much into music. That was, like, his main interest. That's and... where Tom Petty and them started out around Gainesville. Florida. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think they had already left by there. I think they went to L.A. in, like, the uh, early or the late 70s. So. When River was nine years old, that's when he started getting noticed by Hollywood. He was doing commercials, the usual yeah. bit parts in movies. He had a big role in a movie called Explorers with fellow child actor Ethan Hawke. Wow. I didn't know Ethan Hawke was a child actor. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know he he started young, like in school ties, I want to say. Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Those always get mixed up. Dead Poets is better, though. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah. You can't beat it. Seize yep. the day. Standing on desk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm standing on my captain. desk right now. <laughs> well, Bre- Brendan Fraser, I, I thought was really great. And uh, he's having a resurgence soon. So The I, Whale. The Whale, yeah. I still got to see that, the new Darren Aronofsky movie. It's not coming out till December. What? It's got so much buzz. I tried to stream it on Amazon the other day, and I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's like end of December. It's going yeah, out. they promote these movies. They're like, they're coming out in 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> way too long. Give me a fucking break over here. I want to see The Whale. <laughs> so yeah river i think just was a shining star well i think that the parents is they they had that thing where the kids would go out and earn them money and you know do the catholic church thing where they're they're running kind of the the ceremony and you know they're entertaining everyone and they just kept that going into hollywood so now they're like some people say today like i would never let my kid you know act at a young age and it is a horrible thing but the phoenix family like we got no other fucking choice we're sending our kids to any audition we can get them to (laughs) and look what they followed the children of god yeah so hollywood is starting to look wholesome that's what i'm saying like i I love their logic being like all right let's get these kids away from sexual abuse first stop catholic church next stop hollywood baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) mr weinstein will you uh take care of my kid here please (laughs) (laughs) that's the logic of the phoenix family i know they're they're keeping bringing their kids around the most horrible people our country has to offer yeah exactly (laughs) river's standout role First one was Stand By Me. Yes. Of course. When he was about 15 years old. Was he that old? I believe so. They almost seem even younger in that. But like, I'm, he did a lot of, I think, small commercials and stuff that led up to that. He was on their radar and stuff even before he got that movie. So he was, he was in the industry. Because he did The Explorers. That wasn't a hit. Yeah. Stand By Me, directed by Rob Reiner. Of course. Huge hit. Yeah. And, you know, it had a bunch of classic child stars. Yeah. Corey Feldman. Jerry O'Connell. 
yeah. And Will Wheaton. The, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Yep. And uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in that, but he was already yes. pretty well established before yeah. that. The premise is uh, they hear about this kid, Ray Broward, who actually was picking cherries or something near the train in some rural area of Maine. And uh, he gets hit by the train and they want to go find the body. And I think there's a reward for finding the body that the, that they want to get. So they get their supplies and stuff together and go trek and try to find this Ray Broward kid. And yeah. River is the leader of the pack. So River speak. is certainly the, the leader. Yeah. <laughs> I love how also... I haven't seen this since I was a kid. A bunch of kids going to find a dead body like didn't phase me at all, but them going in the water and finding uh, leeches all over themselves that was the roughest, freaked me the yeah. fuck out. I remember my, my <laughs> sister even prepared me for that moment. She's like, "You're this is going to be tough. And then when he took the leech off his dick, I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and there's just blood in his hand. Yeah, oh, the God. blood in the hand, yeah. Oh, but I, also seeing Ray Broward, the body itself, once they all this entire epic trek was done seeing his body was was intense yeah it's an intense movie it is yeah it's it not is. a light kids movie it's a it's a stephen king short story and like there there's a lot of emotions and john cusack is in it for a second he's amazing though his parents are are kind of like reeling uh with the death of their son who was john cusack and that's part of will wheaton's character dealing with that and going out and you know hanging out with his buds for like a weekend a lot of people feel very fondly about that movie. I thought it was amazing. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. Your favorite Rob Reiner? Of course. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> like, he says. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe Alex and Emma. <laughs> no. <laughs> what else is he? He's done a bunch of great movies. Harry but... Met Sally, Misery. Yeah. Spinal Tap would be my favorite. That's up there also. Yeah, that's a classic. But, but who's he, comparing? He's done some great work, you know? Yeah. And Meathead. He's Meathead. Which Kyle didn't believe was, was the Rob same Reiner. Yeah, that's crazy. That is so crazy to me still. All in the family. Yeah. yeah. Makes no sense. And he married Penny Marshall. Yeah, lucky him. <laughs> and he dated Phil Hartman's ex-wife or wife at the time, Bryn Hartman. Wow. The yeah. dots always connect. Of course. So Stand By Me, that kicks off River's film career. A very eclectic, interesting film career. Yeah. It like fits right in with the kind of movies. Well, he's he part of doing. like a group of other actors that are it's like a, you know, it's like a new generation of kids that are coming up right now. Yeah. So Rivers the breadwinner, he eventually would have over 30 people that he was taking care of. Wow. Up until the day he died. Holy wow. shit. That's a lot. That's like he shouldn't have to be have that burden on him for like that entire family. And not only that, you know, all that press about Britney Spears situation. Yeah. Where the dad would force her to do all these concerts and record this album and keep the wheel turning. Yeah. Like the career. That's how his family treated him as well. Mm. They carefully cultivated his clean cut hippie image. The movies that they would encourage him to do all fit right in line with that. Because yeah. he did one called The Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford. And that was about a family that leaves the United States yeah. to find a happier life in Central America. Yeah, the oh parents were crazy God. radicals that actually left the U.S. And the, the casting could not have been any more on point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little too on point. Harrison Ford plays his dad, I remember. Yeah. And then he does this movie called Running on Empty, written by Jake Gyllenhaal's mom, by the way. Okay. Hmm. Naomi Foner 
Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's her. Directed by Sidney Lumet. Okay. Great director. Yeah. And this movie is excellent. I encourage everybody listening right now to watch it. Really? It's called Running on Empty. What's it about? Judd Hirsch and Christine Lottie play River Phoenix's parents. And it's a family of four. River Phoenix is about 17 years old in it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little brother that's like 10 years old. And the family is on the run. They are fugitives. Why? He's playing all these movies, like roles that in which his family's on the run. It's that's crazy. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's so weird. His parents had, they were involved in a bombing at some building in the late 60s as a political statement it's against like the, same movie. the war. Yeah. Wow. And they accidentally blind and cripple one of the janitors in the bombing. Oh, man. It's Mark's story in Caracas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And accidentally so, starting a coup. Yeah. And well, they're they, on the run. There was like real people like the Weather Underground and stuff. There was like real stories about this where, you know, these were like radicals that actually did do bombings and stuff in like Philadelphia and Chicago and like seriously they, dangerous stunts. Yeah. Wow. In the name of politics. Well, that was that guy, Bill Ayers, that was friends with Barack Obama, who he got a lot of shit for because this guy was like a actual 60s, you know, radical terrorist and he stuff. He did stuff like this that they depict in this movie. Yeah. A lot of the 80s was just dealing with. With what it, things that happened in the sixties again, you know, yeah, it's just Vietnam, like Vietnam, yeah, Watergate, water, Vietnam came back, Watergate came yep. back, yeah, kind of like the Grateful Dead, and there was like a recalling of sixties, you know, nostalgia, nostalgia. That's exactly what was going on then. Nineteen eighty nine definitely had a bunch of yeah, nostalgia people were wearing uh, tie dye shirts again, and you know all that shit, and it was very much that. It was weird. So running on empty, Judd Hirsch, Christine Lottie are the parents, and they're on the run in the movie, and River Phoenix is right at that age. He's a gifted pianist and a smart kid, and then he's faced with the prospect of going to Juilliard. But if he accepts it, that means he'll never get to see his parents again, because that's just too much attention. They have to lay lower than that. Wow. So it's a very oh, wow. that's a interesting situation. premise. And his performance is so good in it that he became one of the youngest actors to be nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, I didn't know he was he was yes. nominated. He didn't win, wow. though, right? He didn't win, but he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. For Running on Empty? Yeah, for Running was on Empty. Was this like wow. 87, 88? Released in 1988. Okay, wow. When he was 18 in real life is when he was nominated. Yeah. Wow. I remember that him going to the um, the Oscars that year. He brought Martha Plimpton, who was dating that time. I don't know why I remember this, but I did. <laughs> His co-star in Running on Empty. Yeah, it was Martha Plimpton. Yep. Yeah. Who was, if we're going in deep into the die, uh, whatever. Universe. Universe here. The Diaverse. She is related to uh, the Carradine family. She is one of the spawn of her. Spawn. Her, her dad was the weird uncle that I talked about from uh, Breaking Bad. No. Her well, dad no? is Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine. No, yeah, you're right. Okay, The half-brother of the uncle from Breaking Bad, <laughs> yeah. Michael Bowen. We'll put together an entire chart here of, yeah. all, of all the we entire- We got some red string connecting dots the here. The entire Carradine and how <laughs> yeah. it relates to River Phoenix and stuff. And she must have looked at River and been like, man, I thought my family was <laughs> yeah. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's horrible. I thought I'd seen it all. Running on empty propels River into the A-list. He's now making something like a million bucks a movie. That's Just, a lot for like a, a younger kid like that. 
It's a lot for anybody. Yeah. Maybe not Tom Cruise. Yeah. So the family is, it's working what they're forcing him to do in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Forcing him to make the right movie choices. I know. Yeah, it'll come to a head at some point. But yeah, for now, it seems like they everything they've done up to then is correct. His next movie, he was in a probably his first giant blockbuster. Which was? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. Playing a young Indiana Jones. Yeah, so he's lucky he did that first movie with Harrison Ford. He's already uh, in, in my line. In my opinion, this is the last Indiana Jones movie that worked. Oh, on, easily. On any level. What? Of course, compared to The Crystal Skull? It was awful. Are you kidding me? I yeah. still haven't seen Crystal Skull, Ugh. but people say it's, it's horrible. It's unwatchable. It's yeah. nonsense. The Crystal Skull was like an alien or something. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> the effects were awful in it. Yeah. There are these CGI monkeys. Yeah. And it looks worse than the net when she orders the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nanette? No, I won't go down that. <laughs> and if you'll recall, River Phoenix is at the beginning of Last Crusade. Yeah. And he catches the bad guys stealing artifacts. And his big line is, it belongs in a museum. Well, he plays a young Harrison yeah. Ford, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Harrison Ford says the same line in the next scene to show that, oh, they're the same character. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you got to. That's why Spielberg is great. He's great at just pounding, you know, exactly what the story points are. You'll never be too confused yeah. watching one of his blockbusters. No. Little hand-holding. Well, unless you're watching The Crystal Skull, you're confused like, how did this get to fucking green light here? Yeah. How did they make this? Why? Matching the roles that he's playing, he has this persona like he's earthy, hippie. He supports PETA. He wants to save the rainforest. Yeah. I genuinely think he might actually have wanted to do it, but he it is did. also a smart move if you're trying to cultivate that image. But he, he was born into this kind of mindset of this, whatever is now like the Trader Joe's sensibility of, <laughs> you know, recycling and yeah. you know being about the earth. It's become very annoying now. But when he did it, it was cool. And he was genuine. That's all I've heard is that he was the nicest guy and generous to a fault. Yeah. And he did care about all those social issues. Mm. So it is a true image. But the thing is, it's also a lot of pressure to live up to that image because there's also other sides to him. Yeah. Well, I think he's he had a lot of pressure on him and like he was actually a good guy. And that's hard to keep up because you're dealing with a lot of like shitty people in Hollywood that are legacy hires or you know people that because like, their parents were around that's what because he wasn't that really no you know like he wasn't one of those people just because his parents were famous actors he became a famous actor yeah, far from it yeah he was the first generation that really you know got a and he came from nothing so i think that's admirable but obviously it didn't seem like it was his choice <laughs> he did so much for the family they bought a ranch in florida yeah, this ranch, I, I remember seeing this ranch, actually. I don't want to get ahead of any of your research here, Alejandro. No, but please. In the movie that his younger brother. Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix did did that crazy story, uh, I Am There, the the one that Casey I'm out. Still Here. I'm Still Here, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some generic title. <laughs> Some generic title, which is ridiculous, but Casey Affleck directed it. But they go back there and they talk to their dad on that big Florida spread that they have there. And it looks very bohemian still. Remember, they have the thriving music scene there, punk rock. Yeah. 
it was very much an artistic ambiance there. I never even thought anywhere in Florida had anything like that. I... Creativity <laughs> in Florida? What? Yeah, and like bush gardens and like gross places and like <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I thought all all of Florida was disgusting. Fucking Disney World. Yeah, in Mar a Lago <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there was any cool like scene at all. I like I know Athens, Georgia has like a cool punk rock scene where REM came out of, but I know I B-52s. don't fifty twos and the B fifty twos. I don't know that much about the South having like cool spots like that besides like Nashville. Well, they were starting it. Okay, music really was his first passion. So he's a movie star, but he really had aspirations to be a rock star. What actor does not, though? True. Especially in the 90s, every famous actor is like, what if I started a band? Like Keanu Reeves with a dog star. Yeah. Remember that? Future co-star. Future co-star, yeah, of uh, My Own Private Idaho. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. It, it, <laughs> dog like, star. More like dog shit. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> Hello. Whoa. Alejandro has spoken. He has editorialized <laughs> Dogstar. Russell Crowe, who gave one of the eulogies at Steve Irwin's funeral. Yeah. He has some ridiculous band called 30 Odd Foot of Grunts or something. Yeah, I remember God. he has some shit band also. Yeah. Does he just beat people with phones in the mosque? <laughs> yeah. He plays the telephone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to get hit? It's a percussion instrument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And River ended up starting a band called Alica's Attic with his family. What? Yeah, with Rain and some other hangers. Him and Rain were like were like very close. They were tight. They even signed a two year deal with Island Records, but their deal was dependent on them coming up with some kind of demo that could later become an album. Spoiler alert: an album never materialized. Yeah, I couldn't see them doing like a catchy. Like you know, Nirvana song or something. Mm. Nirvana er, early Nirvana. I get, like they seem more experimental and you know hippy dippy. Alternative rock, sure. I guess you could call it. And some people aren't just great musicians. I I'm mean, sure he I'm was sure, good. I'm sure he was good. You know, presentation and uh, performance and stuff, and you know he could play the piano. That's a t- that's a tough thing to do. In Running on Empty, it is impressive the scenes where he's playing the piano. Well, there's a motivation from being starving and having to play piano in order to make money for your parent, for your family to eat that week. That's the American way, I guess. It's a motivator. That's yeah. a motivator. <laughs> and imagine after all they've been through, and now they got River Phoenix's extreme success. They have a ranch. They're basically able to do whatever they want to do now. Yeah. And it's just weird that the money that River makes just goes into some pool of money for the entire family how do they divide that up like what what is the that process he wouldn't have had it any other way yeah neither would the dad they're like a kibbutz now any money that comes in is shared amongst the entire family is there another way to do it i don't know if if I was 17, I'd be like, I don't want my sister getting any of my money. Yeah. <laughs> we, we would just fight like nonstop. So this musical dream, it's a real thorn in his side. It's the one thing he can't land. Mm. Everything else has been lucky to this point once he started the acting career. It's like that very difficult Rubik's Cube he can't figure out. No. To use the 80s references here. And by 1990... He is wanting to branch out. He wants to break from his image. He doesn't feel like doing Crystal Skull as his next movie. Yeah. <laughs> so what movie does he do? 
my uh, own my private, own private Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, with Gus Van Sant, who was hot off of at that time Drugstore Cowboy, which that's a recommendation I'll recommend to anyone because it's so fucking good. And I think he just did that right before My Own Private Idaho. So I, I'd recommend you Matt Dillon and Kelly Lynch and uh, Heather Graham's actually in it, too. It's a great movie. Okay, go see Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah. Wait, there's a writer in Hollywood called William Shakespeare. I don't know. Because he's this. a co-writer with Gus Van Sant. That's the Shakespeare, Kyle. This is based on Henry V. Oh, I've never seen this movie. That's hilarious. He's credited <laughs> on IMDb. Loosely based. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Shakespeare ever wrote about gay gigolos. But... No. My Own Private Idaho, it's an art house film about male prostitutes. That's pretty much it. It definitely got attention for all involved. Keanu Reeves, River Phoenix, and then Gus Van Sant. I feel like it's a movie that actors say they love. You know, that's a bit, oh, it really made an imprint on me, but they never watched it. No one actually <laughs> likes it that much. Yeah. yeah. I remember in Entourage, uh, Vinny says, like, I really love my own private Idaho. <laughs> it's a cool thing to say. It is. It's one of those cool things. Like, no one's going to fight you on that. Yeah, like saying like you loved U2's earlier stuff or something like that. I didn't realize this is one of the movies in the 90s that Flea made an appearance in. Yes. Flea is... Uh, he made, He's all over the place. Popping with up in random movies in the 90s. Yeah, he's in The Chase, too, with uh, um, Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And Henry Rollins. Yeah. And my man Udo Kier's in this. Is he? Who I met at uh, Jameson's on Hollywood Boulevard. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, he sent us the photo. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were hanging out with that dude. Yeah. Funny you mentioned Flea. Uh By the way, who also made an appearance in Psycho, directed by Gus Van Sant. And Woodstock 99. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Naked. Not wearing much, wearing a bass guitar and showing me his dick. Letting it all hang out. You weren't there I left already, I know. (laughs) You were scared. I know. I wasn't scared. I was. I was. I need a shower, dude. <laughs> yeah, don't we hungry. all? Yeah. Flea and River became very close friends on oh, the really? set of this movie. They would play music together. So Flea made River feel like a real musician. They would jam at Gus Van Sant's house into the wee hours of the morning. Sometimes River would pass out on his own guitar. Wow. Because <laughs> they were partying hard. Yeah. That makes sense because River Phoenix is in a Red Hot Chili Peppers video, Breaking the Girl. Oh, yeah. No. I remember that. And you want to hear some other trivia? Yes. You know the song, Give It Away? Yeah. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Well, I get to be the mama. There's this <laughs> lyric. There's a river born to be a giver. Keep you warm. Won't let you shiver. His heart is never going to wither. Come on, everybody. Time to deliver. That's about River Phoenix. I wish I was in Hollywood in this 90s time. It was like there was like a resurgence of like a cool kind of hip like 90s scene going on with movies and Hollywood and all that shit. It was kind of cool. My own private Idaho, this experience starts out as that kind of cool. But there is a downside to all the partying that's going on. What's that? River got really into this role. A gay rent boy who's addicted to drugs and in love with Keanu Reeves. He wanted to make it authentic. So he went around the streets of Portland where the movie was shot. Yeah. And where Gus Van Sant lived and they were living at his house, literally. Oh, really? Yeah. That's where him and Flea would party and play music. They would go to this area called Vaseline Alley and find real Johns real male prostitutes to talk to and get a feel for them. Vaseline Alley. 
Okay. You don't want to know how it got that. No comment. Yeah. No. I might have an idea. (laughs) And then River and the crew would bring these rent boys back to Gus Van Sant's house and videotape long interviews with them to get in their head. Wow. I have a clip. So you've done some prostitution of your own? Yeah, I have. And what kind of it? Just basic boring shit. Yeah. Basic boring shit? Boring shit. You go in. Boring shit, he thought he said. suck you off. And you just, like, close your eyes and think of a blonde suck you off so you can get off. The faster you get off, the faster you get out of there. So that's what you're trying to push towards is getting off. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you can just get the hell out of there. So you're just, you're just like, pushing the calm? Yeah. What's so weird is that uh, I've talked to a few others in research, and, and it's kind of the That's same. Robert. Yeah. Everyone has different reasons, but it is kind of the same. Uh, once you're in that situation, it's the same kind of reaction, the same kind of motive, you know, as far as like... Yeah, Jesus. Well, th- these are other, you know, poor kids that also have it financially rough that are just trying to get by. Yeah, I'd be shocked if that kid was even 21. Yeah, like he's drinking with young. them. Yeah, they're getting him, giving him beers young, and young. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like 19. Yeah. yeah. So that's intense to do this level of research for the role. Another downside to going this method is the drug abuse. Yeah. All of them were using drugs. Like this entire crew, like even Keanu? The crew, but also in this world of the rent boys. Oh, okay. You know, the prostitutes, heroin, you name it, coke. Yeah. Imagine River. He's this authentic person. Like, look at all the roles he's played. There's a lot of him in those roles. Yeah. For better or worse. And so I could totally see the scenario where he needs to try heroin now. He needs to know what it's like. In order to unlock this key uh, area to uh, inside my mind to how other people live and like what other people experience. I have to do this now. That's what I think. Yeah. And he did start his drug use on this movie. That's where he got into heroin. If I'm Gus Van Santa, I'm feeling very guilty about that. He doesn't feel guilty. Yeah, probably not. Because it's kind of like Chris Farley Others we've talked about where people were aware of his problems, yeah. but they could not stop that beast. Because he would have friends later on that would chaperone him while he took drugs. Mm. It's just sad. This is not like the ripping roaring 70s. Like It's the 90s and people are a little more responsible with their lives and knowing all the shit that happened. They're like, no, we're different from them because we're really responsible with our drug use. You know, we're not going to Chateau Marmont and just, you know, doing speedballs and dying. We're we're smarter with this. And it turns out everyone winds up the same way. Yeah. And it's what they call the brashness of youth. So he's what, 20 here. You don't think you're going to die of an overdose at age 20. Never. And he's hanging out with these guys on the street. They have track marks. Yeah. He sees like I'm not shooting up. I'm not I'm not what they're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, do, yeah, I'm a, smoking heroin. I'm, I'm a smart snorting. Hollywood guy that has money and uh, I I'll, that'll never be me. Yeah, and I got people to take care of me and I got money to get the good stuff and so yeah. he still sees himself separate, but obviously he could relate to them in a lot of ways as well. But I could see him in the, in that footage right there that he, you know, he can see himself separate from what they're doing. Like I am responsible person you're like uh you know a test animal that i'm kind of observing right now and i am above you 
Yeah, he's the artist. I the artist, yeah. And I'm taking just, it in. And I'm doing it for a reason. Yeah, he's like I'm the uh experimental, you know, journalist or something like that, like in the bush or something. Hunter I'm, S. Thompson. Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. Like yeah, I'm not on your level. This is gonzo journalism to him at yeah. its finest. Exactly. <laughs> he's right there living it. Yeah. And let's see the result of this. I have a clip from the movie. This is where he's declaring his love for fellow prostitute Keanu Reeves around yeah. a campfire. I remember they just go to Paris at some point. I only have sex with a guy for money. Yeah, I know. And two guys can't love each other. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean for me, I could love someone even if I... You know, wasn't paid for it. I think that inspired Heath Ledger and Brokeback Mountain. I was going to say, I'm surprised I didn't hear this come up more often when Brokeback Mountain was coming out. In the Heath Ledger episode, we I did say that was one of his inspirations, Heath, for wanting to come to L.A. and stuff. And oh, like, wow, that's yeah. one of his life as inspirations for movies, which is... As I said, every actor says that, but you know, I'm. Uh, <laughs> he did seem like he was one of those actors, and it made a splash. Yeah, it wasn't a blockbuster hit, but like I think it was an art house movie in the first place. So I think it 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 did what it, they were looking for it to do. Is it worth doing that level of research to come across that performance? But when you're 20, you're like De Niro when he's gaining 100 pounds you're, you're killing yourself for a role which makes no sense in the long Doesn't, run <laughs> yeah no. or christian bale and the machinist that is that was crazy that i think that was crazier than the raging bull uh robert De Niro. that might be the craziest transformation in any movie That's, ever yeah and then he put on all that muscle for batman a couple, right after yeah, right after it's like fucking crazy concentration it's, camp skinny donnie Wahlberg for three seconds in the sixth sense is a weird transformation to make that yeah. is too he was yeah. like 90 pounds but that for many reasons to be in new kids on the block and then like you know and then go to blue bloods after that with tom yeah. Selleck. like that's a lot of weird transitions going yeah. on there. that made no sense why he was in that movie no and why he was so skinny and not looking like him at all and he's wearing so tidy whities yeah <laughs> he's got the right stuff so after <laughs> After My Own Private Idaho, River goes on to make Dogfight, another kind of hip movie with a lot of up-and-comers, and Sneakers oh, with, with Dan Aykroyd. Amazing movie. Amazing. You remember River in that? Of course. Yeah. I, the entire cast was amazing. Robert Redford. We got a lot of recommendations this episode. Yeah, we yeah. got like 10 wrecks here, we motherfuckers. Got all, we should live stream all these. Yeah. We will. <laughs> Where were we? River Phoenix got way into his role for My Own Private Idaho, which people like Heath Ledger loved. Yeah. And up until that point, he had had a normal amount of drugs. Yeah. He'd been drunk. He'd smoked some weed. He'd snorted some coke, but always in moderation. But I think probably his parents even would be like, do not touch heroin. Do not do it. Yeah, they were questionable parents. We can put, say that. Of course. But they definitely were worried about you his gotta know drug use. You can't go near the, the H. No. And then after my own private Idaho, he was taking Xanax, Valium, Percocet, snorting and smoking heroin, Jesus. doing coke. Oh, wow. These would be in bursts. 
So when he would do movies, he would be sober. He thought he had it under control. The classic one week he's on drugs. He's then, a weekend warrior. Th- yeah, the next month he's off drugs. Yeah. Takes longer to hit rock bottom. It takes longer to hit rock bottom, but also his body never gets used to the drugs enough. His tolerance is not as high. He thinks he could chip. People mm-hmm. think they're chippers. You know, I could do it for a little bit, but then, you know, I'll get off it next weekend. Remember, he's in charge of 30 people. He's the breadwinner. Yeah. And now he's got this position in Hollywood as the it boy. He is considered a rising great actor. He made the pivot from kid actor to like his own art house film actor. And to deal with the stress and pressure, he turned to drugs. And well, that's as it, simple he as always that. had those demons in there with all that family shit that he had to deal with. And I'm sure he's still, you know, thinking, I'm sure he's not even anywhere near a therapist or anything like that. <laughs> Therapy wasn't even like hip that back then. No, People weren't no. really doing it. Friends and family were starting to worry about him. But again, he would get clean for periods of time. So no one really knew the extent. Yeah. I watched this program called Dark Side of the 90s, and they did an episode on the Viper Room. There's this kind of socialite lady that was around the Sunset Strip scene in L.A., and this woman's name is Pleasant Gay Man. (laughs) Get out of here. But it's spelled... G-H-E-M-A-N. What? And I have, a, gaming. I have a little snippet from this documentary of her finding River Phoenix backstage at the Roxy. Let's hear it. I had seen River Phoenix a few months earlier. I didn't know it was River Phoenix at first. He was sprawled in the middle of the back little corridor. And I was like, who is that really cute and really fucked up boy? And someone said, that's River Phoenix. And I was like, that's River Phoenix? So that's how he's presenting himself oh my around God. town. And he didn't live in L.A. Wait, you said that that was in the Viper? That was at the Roxy. The Roxy, wow. You know that scene on the Sunset Strip, there's the Roxy, Whiskey A Go-Go. Yep. Rainbow. Rainbow. The Viper Room was new in 1993. Yeah, because uh, Johnny Depp just got enough money put together in order to buy it. I, I don't know what it was before that, but and it, it hasn't was, been updated since. No, <laughs> it lo- it's pretty nasty. The bathroom weeks ago. Yeah, it's brutal. It's pretty gnarly in there. Johnny Depp gave up ownership in 2004. Oh, I didn't know this. But it was started in 1993 with one of his co-stars from 21 Jump Street. And the Viper Room is the hottest club in town when it opens. Yeah. Because Johnny Depp, he's a hip actor. He's like one of the actors that I think also Heath Ledger and people just fucking want, they wanted that career. Yeah. But he also wanted to be a rock star. So this was like his little playground. Yeah. He would invite people from the industry, just like that guy from um, Boondock Saints, the writer. Duffy. Oh, yeah. He yeah. got his own bars. Troy so Duffy. Could, yeah. yeah that so piece of shit. He had his own bar to invite the industry to. And people yeah. like Mark Wahlberg would just come in for no reason. And- well, he he got. I, I don't want to go deep down that, but like yeah. he did get that as part of a Harvey Weinstein deal. I that think, is true. In order, he got you know a bunch of money and his own Sunset Boulevard bar, which is a weird thing to get a bar for a movie. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's why that's how you get paid for like a B movie too. It wasn't even like a mainstream for Blue Dot Sang. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah an indie movie that they didn't know anyone's going to see this. Yeah. yeah, and no one really saw it for a while. No, it became popular much later. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to say the Viper Room was, it was like a go-to place. Like, yeah, he could bring industry people. He could bring whoever. You know, it was like his hangout spot. It's an underground rock club, 
but yeah. nicer at the time. Yeah. Yeah. The patrons were more famous than the performers there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was 100%. Yeah. The Hollywood hangout. And so when River was in town, because he was, his home base is the ranch in Florida. He doesn't live in L.A. Wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, people say that, but he really was living in L.A. for all intents and purposes. He would stay at hotels when wow. he was there. No yeah. shit. Yeah. Someone in that documentary, when they were describing the Viper Room at that time, they said, Velvet Rope Fuckery. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about it was right. a who's who. You're a nobody if you can't get into the Viper Room. Yeah. It's like UCB 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and did you guys know that Adam Duritz of Counting Crows was one of the bartenders there? What? Wow. And he met Jennifer Aniston there and they dated. Wait, while he was a bartender? No, but he 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 was more famous when he met Jennifer Aniston. Was yeah, he started out as a bartender, then Counting Crows. Okay, hit. yeah, because Jen Aniston rolls in there like she's not dating. She doesn't need a bartender. Yeah, was, she started in Leprechaun. Like yeah, <laughs> I she doesn't get, need to go that low. Yeah, I'm not dating a guy with dreads unless he's a famous fucking rock star. You know, I'm not dating a bartender with dreads. No, <laughs> a white bartender. White bartender. Yeah, 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 white bartender. <laughs> <laughs> and the other notable thing. Yeah, what's up with the dreads? Anyway. <laughs> I would go on another tirade about that guy. He just annoys me that he like pretended to be black his whole life. And I don't know. It's just he's annoying. not at all? No, he's a white Jewish guy. From, well, San, Duritz, from yeah. San Fran, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Mr. Jones. If you see him now, his hair's all cut and he's shaved his face and he just looks like a chubby Jewish white guy. But that was a 90s thing to do. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stand out. Yeah. Okay, Kyle? <laughs> The other major important note about the Viper Room is it's a place where famous people can let their hair down. Can let your white dreads down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the Studio 54 of Los Angeles. In the 90s. Yeah. All right. Now that we've covered the Viper Room, 1993, the year of Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say there, so I was very and, thrown off. And our Lord. Okay. Yeah. River is physically deteriorating because people remember he was a heartthrob. Yeah. Long golden hair, good looking movie star. Yeah. But now the drugs are taking a toll on him. People are noticing his sunken eyes. Oh, really? Yeah. The his speech, skin fucked up. His speech pattern is changing. Yeah. He's more tired. Someone on one of the movie sets noticed that. He used to be restless. He didn't like to sit down. Yeah. But one day they saw him sitting in the chair for an hour. Oh, man, that'll do it to it. Yeah, waiting so, to be called. So he's like an addict now. He's like a full-blown mm -hmm. addict. But again, on and off, there are varying reports on how much he was using. But he's, he's getting deeper and deeper into it. When but... he does it, yes. Yeah. But he could also be clean for periods of time. Yeah. So it wasn't every day. The family ranch in Florida used to be a refuge for him where he could get away from all of that Hollywood bullshit. That's so far away to become a ref like you're, It's 3,000 miles away on the other side of the country. Yeah. It's crazy. So he'd hang out with his family and get his head together. But as his career blossomed, the hangers-on followed him to Florida. The compound turned into a hangout spot. The same kind of fuckers that would be in L.A. Flunkies and yeah, shit. People yeah, people partying and oh, doing man. drugs. Mooches. Yeah. Ugh. So that ended up not becoming such a safe place anymore either. Although apparently L.A. is worse. They always say that. 
if you have money and you're young and you're a drug addict, L.A. is considered the worst place on earth. Of course. Yeah, I, I've heard like uh, I think I heard Post Malone say he had to get out of L.A. in order to save his life or something. He I moved believe to, it. He moved to Utah. That's where he lives now, <laughs> which is like it's not too far away. And it's like you could still come here if you need to do shit. That's where River was shooting his last movie. Ooh. Utah. Oh, the Utah desert. Wow, okay. Dad, John, John Bottom, remember him? Yep, John Phoenix, John Bottom. He had moved to Costa Rica by what? 1993. So he left the family compound and just yeah. like, I'm going to Costa Rica. <laughs> and he, to live on a farm there. Costa Rica is actually really nice. And I heard it's really well, cheap. Well, there you go. He was living like a king with Rivers Ronnie. Yeah, no kidding, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Word had got to River's dad about his drug use. And so he flies out to the United States to meet with his son. He tries to convince him not to accept the next movie role. He says, River, come to Costa Rica, get away from Hollywood, and let's enjoy ourselves on the farm. Yeah. You know, you'll have some time to get into the proper headspace. Yeah, dry out. But the pressure to keep the wheel turning for his 30-plus entourage. Yeah. That was enough to pull him towards the movie where he could not accept his dad's well, offer. you say he was a nice guy and stuff, and, like, I'm sure he's got all these agents and people like, please, you got to do this one more thing, one more thing. And he's used to his family being those people do this, you know, go, go out and beg for money one more time, you know, yeah. so we can eat this week. It wasn't much of a decision for him. He's like, I have to make money. Yeah. Another thing that lured him in was the prospect of working with the actress Judy Davis. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she had just been Oscar nominated for Husbands and Wives. Yeah, she was in Celebrity, some Woody Allen stuff. She's yeah, a she's great. great actress. Yeah. So he wants to work with her. And the movie that he signs up to do, instead of going to Costa Rica with his dad, is called Dark Blood. Okay, I never heard of this. <laughs> It's a ridiculous premise. Do you have the synopsis there, Kyle? Dealing with nuclear testing and its deadly effects, the story portrays Boy, a young widower living in the desert on a nuclear testing site. Living as a hermit, he waits for the end of the world. What? I, I have no idea why he was even doing this movie. What? He seems bigger than this movie because it's not even a known director. And this is kind of like a production that reminds me of Rust. Yeah, yes. George Sluzer. Loser. Yeah, this guy's a She's a real Saluza. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, okay, I guess he wanted to work with Judy Davis. Maybe money wise, it made sense to him. Beats Make working at McDonald's or being a rent boy in Portland. I guess so, but does he really need the money that bad? I guess so. He thought he did. Maybe his, the, the amount he's using at this time is just right, really making him want to just need to take anything that's coming up next. And some of his story reminds me of Lil Peep. Really? The way that Lil Peep felt like he was responsible for so many For his people. entire entourage and group, yeah. yeah. The same people that failed him. Oh, the cast and crew of Dark Blood spent seven weeks filming in the Utah desert. During that entire time, River was clean. Then the production moved to L.A. and they were going to be filming interior shots for the last part of the shoot. Yeah. And this was scheduled to be about two weeks. When talking to the director, River referred to Los Angeles as, quote, the bad, bad town. Really? What's his name? George Schluzer? Schluzer. He said that River seemed very nervous about returning to L.A. Like he knew that there was too much temptation there. Exactly. 
sadly, he would only spend four days on the L.A. shoot. Before what? Until. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it right now. What are we here for? By the way, I've heard conflicting accounts. There's this Bob Forrest guy, an ex-drug addict, and he was on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. He's like one of those sober coaches to the celebrities. He claims that the last days of River Phoenix were spent doing a lot of coke with Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist John Frusciante. (laughs) But I heard from others that... River was actually clean for the well, final days well, of his, his life. His girlfriend at the time, Samantha Mathis, said he was, for the most part, clean at the, around this time. That's what I've heard more of. But there's this Bob Forrest guy who, for some reason, hates John Frusciante. And he's claiming <laughs> that River Phoenix was on this drug John, Fr- John Frusciante was a, was a heroin guy. He was not a coke guy. Well, River was doing coke and heroin. But heroin is what John Frusciante was doing. Well, he was not then a big coke if guy. he was hanging with River, then River was doing heroin with him. I don't know. I'm leaning towards, I think he was clean for the final days. Yeah. October 30th, 1993, Saturday. River wakes up early. He's got to report to set. He's clean and serious about this movie, Dark Blood. And so he's two months into the shoot. They're in L.A. in the studio shooting the final scenes. River seems especially antsy today. He's even having cognitive troubles. Something's off. He's got like a bad drug hangover. Yeah, they say that it was obvious that he was hungover from drugs the night before. Yeah. I think that he was clean up until the night before. So he's doing maybe coke the night before in order to come down from that and just hang and be chill. He thinks heroin's a good idea. Yes. The role was not easy for him. And this is his 14th film, by the way. Eight hours into the day, River had not been called to act yet. So he's waiting around all day. And he's just like, what am I going to do with this time? He was bored. Well, that's what Bill Burr says. He says uh, acting is like, being at the RM, the DMV with celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like you're waiting around the entire time doing nothing. The setups are long and tedious. Yeah. And by the way, Judy Davis, who he idolized, mm-hmm. she hates him. <laughs> what? what? And she's been making his life miserable on the set, treating him like a lower actor. Get out of here. Who says that, though? Who is this coming from? This is common knowledge on the dark blood. Is it as a result of him like being kind of a mopey, drug-addled guy? Yeah, I think he wasn't himself during this shoot. Okay. And she's probably not easy to work with always either. No, I'm sure. Maybe that's why she, in her later years, her roles kind of dwindled. But like that would piss me off if uh, some young fucking kid comes on, some young hot actor comes on set, doesn't know his lines isn't prepared, is fucking with my day because he doesn't keep up his side of it because it's a collaborative effort. And if this guy's fucked up on drugs, you know, it's a sad story, obviously, but that would piss me off. And she was pissed. That could have been it. Not that she was just trying to lord over her experience over him. And we talked about how he's generous to a fault. He's also extremely sensitive. In fact, I have a snippet of an interview where this pretty much shows how he felt about his acting career. How old were you then when you started? Ten. Was that so? Mm-hmm. Television commercials, and then later you uh, get cast in a film, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You're a natural. I, I'm not saying anything. Mm. 
I'm saying it. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I thought you did a wonderful performance thank in that movie. Much. That shows you what's going on a little bit. First of all, he seems like out he's of out of it. He's got yeah. sunglasses on inside. Also like the Lil Peep interview where he was talking nonsense wearing sunglasses. Yep. Yeah. So in this show, just how vulnerable he is. He can't take a compliment. Yeah. He's like, I'm not saying I'm a good actor. The interview is like, what are you talking about? Like, I I'm said it. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, My God. You don't have to start weeping on me. Yeah, he's in the middle of like kind of a personal crisis. Things aren't going well. And then on this Saturday, October 30th, 1993, the scene that they need to film is a love scene between Judy Davis and River Phoenix. Ah! Oh, my God. <laughs> Awkward. And their Awkward. chemistry, it's, it's about as good as Lint in a dryer. Okay. It's about as stale as little Tony's bread. <laughs> <laughs> and that's stale, baby. <laughs> This love scene had been delayed at River's request as long as possible, but they had to shoot it today. And it would end up being the last scene of his life. And now I have a clip from the documentary Final 24. One of the crew members talks about noticing something strange at the end of the day. The scene is over and the shot should have ended when the director shouted cut. But when the crew gathered two days later, after River had died, they realized something very strange had happened. At the end of the fourth take, it was cut, wrap, print. The lights came down and River became this perfect silhouette lit by these candles, almost like you're in a church. River walked up to the camera and stood there for about five seconds. And then I realized, oh, the camera was still rolling, and I turned it off. River died just hours after this shot was taken. Wow. This is one of those kind of eerie YouTube accounts where they yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason a British guy is like, he'd never be seen again. I love this show, Final 24. And they have a running clock throughout the episode. Oh, like wow. 16 hours to go. Yeah. Janice Joplin was eating some scrambled eggs. She has 10 hours to live. <laughs> <laughs> Mama Cass is making a ham sandwich. She's going to choke on it very soon. <laughs> so after the tough day on set, River returns to his hotel on the Sunset Strip, and he's hanging out with family and friends. Joaquin and Rain had flown into town to hang out with their brother. Well, Joaquin had done some acting before. Like He was in Parenthood, the TV show. The movie. Oh, he was in the movie? Yes. Okay, he was in the movie, yeah. As the, Diane like, Weiss' son. Yeah, the troubled kid. Good role. Great role for and him. He would go on to appear in To Die For, directed by Gus Van Sant. Ah, that's true. I forgot. I didn't even put those two things together. But yeah, he would now like one of the biggest blockbuster stars in the world. Yeah, Joaquin started acting in 1982 on different TV spots. Yeah. But he's still just River's younger brother in 1993. Yeah. Even after Parenthood, River is this megastar. He's like a big godly star in the, in the family. Like he's like you can't touch him. No. Yeah. Also hanging out in the hotel with them is Samantha Mathis. Yeah. His girlfriend. She was beautiful. Pump up the volume is one of my favorite movies with her. She's a very good actress. She was good. 
you know what she's hot off of in 1993? A school ties? Super Mario Brothers. What? <laughs> she, that, that could not be more of an opposite thing than I just said. <laughs> <laughs> she played Princess Daisy. Oh. What? John Linguizamo's love interest. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it wasn't Bob Hoskins. <laughs> no. <laughs> Samantha Mathis and River Phoenix had been dating for about six months. They had met on the movie The Thing Called Love, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, R.I.P. Yeah, rest in peace. It's about country music. And he, I don't remember it. He's her love interest in it. Okay. She's an aspiring country star. Yeah. And he is too, but she's a little more successful. That would end up being the last movie he would be alive to see the release of hmm. in fall 1993. Another one with Sandra Bullock. Dermot Mulroney. It kind of reminds me of the story of Johnny Cash uh, 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 with, his, with his wife, also with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Again, I have so many conflicting reports, but he had apparently been clean all day and was planning to stay clean that night because he was due to appear on stage alongside his friend Johnny Depp, co-owner of the Viper Room. Yeah, they were going to do a whole music thing that night. During the hottest hour. The prime time. Like the eight to nine or something. Later. Right? Yeah. Oh, oh later. it was like late. Closer to midnight, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's, the, that's when L.A. really got going then. That's when Halloween was starting. <laughs> Gotta hit midnight. <laughs> oh, that's true. And Flea, he was going to play with. Johnny Depp had started this super group called P. <laughs> the letter P. Nice. That's it. Super group. But it was silent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it called the P at first? That... Super group is used very loosely there. Yeah. <laughs> then someone's like, lose the. Just yeah. call it P. <laughs> no, or lose it all. Yeah. <laughs> what about M? Just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> what about Q? No one's appropriated Q yet. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason River was going to stay clean is because he had to go to set the next day. They were just four days into a two-week shoot in L.A. In one documentary, they say he had been planning to play with this super group called P with Johnny Depp and Flea. But in the Dark Side of the 90s Vice documentary, they claim that it was an afterthought that River went to the Viper Room. Because mm. he was planning to stay clean that night, he was having fun with everybody in the hotel room, his brother and sister, girlfriend, friends. And then he's like, all right, guys, have fun at the Viper Room. I'll hang with you another night. And then suddenly, when the last person's about to shut the door to the hotel room, he's like, wait a minute, I'm coming. <laughs> wow. No, I think that is the more accurate one, because Samantha Mathis did say that he's like, we're just going to stop for a second into the Viper room. We're just going to make a quick stop, and then we're going to get going. And then he goes in there, and then he's like, and then he comes back, and I was like, why don't you just come in for a minute? Maybe I'll just use the bathroom and we'll we'll stay for a minute. It's one of those things. It's just a a guy's you know slimy bullshit. With like, yeah. like just to try to like you know cut to next minute. You know we're there the entire night. Yeah, because I think in the other account where he is planning to play on stage, that sets the stakes higher. Yeah, that he was anticipating playing with his buddies that night. And I think he came out and said. Oh, yeah, these guys want me to play with them. Do you mind coming in? And Samantha Mathis was like, motherfucker, I don't want to deal with this shit. And she, I believe her side of the story 100%. And I think and this that, is outside the club that they're outside the club. Yeah, like on, I don't know that side street there on Sunset, but like, you Therapy. know, because 
What's that? Larrabee. Larrabee. That's where the entrance is to the Viper Room. But yeah, I think that was what happened because there's a lot of shit going on down there. He's like, all right, you stay in the car. I'm just going to jump in there. And he's like, oh, these guys want me to do this band thing with them. Is that cool? <laughs> um, and then she's like, I know this guy's going to get fucked up. And yeah. she already knew he was acting weird even before that. And I believe her because she's like, she was someone that was trying to get her boyfriend off of drugs and on the straight and narrow. And, she and knew, he had been. But she knew there were like people out there or like forces that were like going to draw him back in. So either way, whether he was planning earlier or it wasn't until after he arrived, he's getting ready to play a couple songs to jam yeah. with the super group. It was probably already planned before, but he just didn't tell his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a definite no, no. But when you're a kid, when you're like 20, 22 years old, you're not used to like being an adult and like planning things out. And once there, now he's got this anticipation, the nerves that he's going to go up and play. Yeah. So that's his mindset. Everyone else is kind of, you know, talking, having a good time, and he's just thinking about playing. Yeah. Remember Pleasant Gay Men, <laughs> a.k.a. John Waters? How can yeah. we forget about this? Yeah, the, the Vice News documentary person. Yeah. She recalls the dressing room that night had been locked when she tried to open it. And she says that always meant that someone was doing something bad inside. <laughs> and also that that night it was very humid in the club and super smoky. Mm. Yeah, that's when you could smoke inside. This is before 1999 when you like could not smoke inside anymore. Shortly after midnight, River Phoenix is hit with some bad news by Flea. Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surface is there. It's oversaturated with musicians. So Flea tells him, sorry, man, you're not going to be able to jam with us anymore. Oh. And now the excitement is building in the club because the super group with Johnny Depp at the helm is about to take stage. And River is simultaneously told he's not going to be part of it. <laughs> That's so weird. Not only like were you probably not supposed to come here because your girlfriend doesn't want you here, but now you're not wanted here on stage either. Yeah. <laughs> By his really close friend, Flea, yeah. hearing the bad news from he's him. He's probably, River is probably that guy. They're like, maybe he's already fucked up. They're like, we know River. And if he's fucked up like this, he's going to be bad on stage. Yeah. And we can't deal with this tonight. And remember the context. He had an awful day on the movie set. Judy Davis has been a nightmare to work with. Yeah. And it's not going to be a particularly good movie that they make. And he just needs to let loose. And now he's feeling dejected. So he goes into the crowd of people in search of drugs. Oh, God. You're just getting it from random people? They were not hard to find. Yeah. No, Cocaine I'm sure at this time, yeah. and heroin were everywhere. As Johnny Depp and the super group is taking the stage, the club is nearly filled to capacity. So River is just kind of blending in now. And he scores some drugs and heads into the bathroom. There is another version that he was handed a mysterious drink and the person said, here, drink this. And that's what caused him to get sick. Yeah. I don't believe that for one minute. He ended up snorting a combo of heroin and Coke, a speedball, in the bathroom. And a lot of it. Which has made a few appearances in our podcast previously. Yeah. John Belushi. Yeah. Chris Farley. Yep. It's like a featured player on this podcast. And meanwhile, his entourage, including his brother and sister, Joaquin and Rain, and girlfriend Samantha, 
They're in a booth in the back of the club. Mm-hmm. Totally oblivious to what's going on with River. They don't know that he's not going to be playing with the band anymore. They think he's getting ready with his guitar backstage. His dry spell is now over. And because of all the starting and stopping of drugs, his tolerance is not the same as it once was. He immediately fell ill and was vomiting in the toilet. Club goers started coming in and trying to help. He reportedly told one of them, too much. I took too much. Somebody offers him a Valium to calm him down. His heart is racing at this point because of the cocaine. Then the heroin is causing him to crash at the same time. In order to survive, he's going to need help fast. Yeah. River then stumbles into the bar, but people don't know what to do. His friends and family still think he's just getting ready to play music, not realizing he took a lethal speedball. A blood test later revealed that he had eight times the lethal amount of coke in his system. What? So he, That's so much. He either didn't realize how pure the stuff was or just snorted way too much. So he snorted. So that was really it and not the speedball itself. But he's. The speedball is heroin and coke. I don't know what what he took in order to get this fucked up. He snorted it is what is told. So he was in the, he got this drugs, these drugs from someone in the audience and he just took way too much of it. Mm -hmm. Jesus. I've heard it wasn't someone in the audience. What did you hear? That it was for Shante. Really? Yeah. That's what Bob Forrest claims. Yeah. Um, So he was there that night for sure? uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then they filmed some weird video at Johnny Depp's house after. I don't know. I'll, I'll, after. I'll find out about I that. I do know that River's dad, John Bottom, or John Phoenix, hates John Fashante and blames him. So is there like some unsaid thing here saying like, you know, this is the guy that killed your son? I guess. But it, it I have be. not been able to confirm that it was John Fashante yeah. that actually gave him the final drugs. But I mean, if you're River Phoenix and you're in that environment, crowd. you have other people you know instead of some stranger from fucking, you know, the valley that's going to you're going to get drugs from. There's like a blind item thing here that is about like the video that Johnny Depp filmed at Fashante's home in the Hollywood Hills. They're speculating that it's so weird and crazy that. They think Depp was trying to set Frusciante up for an insanity defense so that he wouldn't get charged with murder. (laughs) What? And then it says here, it's been public knowledge that Frusciante was the one who gave River the heroin 25 years ago. He was trusting because he took it from a friend, not knowing what it was or the dosage could drop a horse. Someone else said, just finding this out now, this is what Johnny Depp helped to minimize and provided cover for for Frusciante. Wow. Okay. Wow, in light of all the things with the Amber Heard stuff, this is kind of crazy that Johnny Depp might have tried to cover up a manslaughter, which, you know, as we talked about in the past, sounds way worse than a a murder. And it is a difficult story to cover in some ways because there are so many alternating accounts of what went on. You're never going to hear the real story. Well, actually, this here, too, says. This is the real story. Frusciante gave River something to drink that was laced with heroin and didn't actually say, here, have this heroin. But River, without good judgment, chugged it. 
and who's ever heard? Wait, but it's coke that that. But there's also cocaine in there too. Yeah. So wait, a speedball beverage? What what kind of shit is this? He might might have snorted a bunch of coke and then drank this. I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of these (laughs) fucking insane stories. Yeah, this is high C and coke and heroin. You're gonna love it. Yeah, (laughs) that was one of the rumors I brought up that someone gave him a drink. Yeah, really. Maybe they tried to blame that, but I don't. It, someone gave him the drugs. But in. this is all around the time where Frusciante was severely on drugs and quit Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah so he got booted out too. He was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, they were like had enough of him. But then he cleaned his act up and he came back. And at the end of the nineties, he kind of like they, Californication. They they put it all back together, and then they came to Woodstock '99, and we <laughs> blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are just freaking havoc. I know, yeah. All over the United States. Yeah, the mayor of uh, Rome, New York says, could you turn it down? And they turned it up. <laughs> they, they lit it up. Can you calm them down? They're starting fires out there. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. We'll play a song called Fire. <laughs> yeah, while they have a bunch of candles <laughs> in their hands. River. Maybe he took the drink from Frusciante. Maybe it was just a random drug dealer he ran into. Yeah. Crowds at capacity. He was sick in the bathroom vomiting. People were trying to help him. He might have taken some Valium. Now he's in the crowd, sick, passing out. And finally, his friends and family are noticing how bad the situation actually had become. So they drag him outside the club to get some fresh air. And this is well after midnight. Johnny Depp's band is on stage. Once on the street, River starts having seizures. He begins convulsing. And Rain is trying to hold him down so that he doesn't injure himself. Nobody knew what to do. This is crazy. In some ways, his fame may have contributed to the fact that he wasn't given treatment sooner. So as not to make a big scene. Oof. Wow. But also his friends and family are panicking. An ambulance is not called until five minutes later. Finally, Joaquin locates a nearby payphone and calls 911. And we have the very difficult to listen to 911 call. Oh, it's very difficult. Let's hear it. And he's 19 years old at this time. Who is Joaquin? Okay, calm down a little bit, okay? What's the address where you need it? It's Sunset and Larrabee. It's at the Viper Room. Okay, what's the address, sir? Do you know? What's the address to the fucking club? Hey, sir. Sir, yes. calm down a little bit, okay? I'm sorry. It's That's my brother. Good. Please come here. How old is he? He's 23. Calm down, okay? If you can't calm down, get the phone to somebody else. No, there's no one else around. Okay. I'm fine. You know, I think he's dead volume or something. I don't know. Do you mind, sir? My Who's fucking brother's right dying. Um, my sister, the people. Okay, can you talk to her from where you are? Oh, I kind of, she's trying to give him mouth to mouth. Sir, calm down. Tell her not to give him mouth to mouth. Don't give him mouth to mouth. You only give him mouth to mouth if he's not breathing. What's he doing? Just seems like he's sleeping right yeah, now. Yeah, just looks like he's sleeping. Okay. okay. That's very normal, okay? Yeah. That's very normal. Oof. Sometimes, if, in fact, sometimes they do actually go to sleep. So very normal. Disturbing. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very normal when someone's dying that they look like they're sleeping. Ugh. Awful. Jesus. The paramedics arrived four minutes later. By then, the seizures had stopped, and he's lying still on the sidewalk. His breathing is very shallow. His heart begins failing him. It's pumping little to no blood, and he's unresponsive. The paramedics are finding no heart activity. They desperately performed CPR, 
And they even put in an IV and started giving him drugs in an attempt to resuscitate him. And now there's a crowd around River Phoenix on the sidewalk outside the Viper Room in the wee hours of Halloween, 1993. Well, there's a lot of foot traffic there that night. Tons. And half the people are wearing Halloween costumes. Oh, man. It's like a Fellini movie, a Fellini nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. And Fellini died later that day. Crazy. Jesus. Word spreads inside the club and Flea rushes outside demanding to ride with River to the hospital. Okay. And he actually did. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what I heard. Well, maybe he felt some guilt because his bandmate uh, might have given him the overdose drugs. And maybe he could have let him play. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Yeah, that that wasn't cool. (laughs) Do you mind? I know. So that he's not fucking depressed and looking for drugs? Yeah. But you can't blame Flea. No. Can't. No one asked River to do that. And he has a beautiful starlit girlfriend. I know. And his Samantha siblings Morton. are in town visiting. It should be a happy fucking night. Yeah. It shows how in his head he was. He just wanted more and more and more. An escape. Yeah. He wanted an escape from being River Phoenix. I guess. He was pronounced dead at 1.51 a.m. At the hospital. Shit, man. The cause of death was acute multiple drug intoxication. He was cremated. His friend, Matt Ebert, no relation to Roger. Yep. Or Cisco. Or Sisto. (laughs) (laughs) Sisto and Ebert. His friend said that he went with his sister and brought the ashes back home with her and gave them to River's mom, Arlen. And she held the ashes like a baby in her arms. Jeez. That's a sight. Maybe she felt some uh, remorse or guilt. She was holding the ashes like a baby. Like a baby. Okay, Kyle doesn't give a (laughs) shit. (laughs) I'm reading more about the death in a Dixie cup story. What's that? Him drinking drugs. Do you have anything to add about the Dixie cup death drink? Someone saying the death in a Dixie cup story is pure fantasy. (laughs) That's what I would think but yeah. i believe that yeah i don't i don't think it's a, it's an accurate thing it, it doesn't make any sense who's drinking it's drugs too like convenient that? no the, one drinks hard drugs like that this makes sense the same multiple eyewitnesses confirm that uh river arrived at the club so messed up he couldn't even walk straight and could barely stand and made multiple trips to the restroom to ingest further so that would make sense why flea was like dude you're not playing with us tonight like yeah. you're a mess <laughs> yeah that must have been it yeah and he was deteriorating physically and there must have been real industry people there were like, yeah, if we're going to look bad yeah. here. Same thing with Woodstock 99. You know, they want him like, hey, play a more chill set. Do you mind? Uh, like, no, because you. we have a reputation to fucking uphold here, asshole. Yeah. His death is infamous. It sent shockwaves through Hollywood. The golden boy dead on the sidewalk outside the hottest club in town. Yeah. Phoenix was due to appear in Interview with the Vampire, Christian Slater's role. Oh, wow. Who gave Chris Farley the slick hair idea. But also, he was uh, in Pump Up the Volume. That was uh, Samantha Mathis' boyfriend in that. And they, Mm. they, uh, on screen, they got it on on there. So I'm just just trying to say, like, Christian Slater kind of swooped in and took some of those roles that would have been for River Phoenix. Maybe he felt a little guilty because he donated his entire $250,000 salary from Vampire to two of River Phoenix's favorite charitable organizations. Wow. Earth Save and Earth Trust. 
an interview with the yeah, vampire. I'm giving this money is dedicated to Phoenix. <laughs> wow, really? I did not know that. Yeah, that's weird. I I always associate those two in similar way. For some reason, they reminded me of each other. Yeah, they're very different actors, mm-hmm. but I don't know why Christian Slater and um, River Phoenix just reminded me of each other. I don't know what it was. They were part of the same generation of yeah. up and coming brandos. Yes. Good actors that were also intense actors. Yeah. And, and I think Johnny Depp was in that too, but he was a he little was. he was a little bit older and uh, more established at that time. But River though was nominated for an Oscar. True. But I think Johnny Depp had more street cred. Clearly. Because yeah. he's got the Viper Room. Yeah, he's got the Viper Room. And you know, he's destroying hotels and shit with uh you know uh ann moss or whatever her name is kate moss kate moss whatever <laughs> yeah we, from the trial we found out some more details uh, oh yeah, she, yeah trial. She, she backed him up which is crazy yep i have a clip from siskel and ebert i thought since they've been brought up lately many times the thing called love started out as a small release and never really gained traction, but it bled into 1994 after his death, uh, the release of the movie. Look at him here, also playing a hopeful young singer in Nashville. Even if we didn't know he was going to die of a drug overdose within a year, isn't it sadly clear that there's something very wrong here? Truth is, Miranda, I picked up the phone several times. Call you. This movie what? made me really sad as I was watching. Well, you know, Roger, I didn't have that reaction. I thought it was in the character. Mm-hmm. You may be right. I mean, he, he could have been uh, wasted when he made the film, but I bought that as the character because obviously there are people well, in extremis who I are not getting this. I thought, is he just trying to do James Dean or Marlon Brando here? Maybe that's what he told himself. But the thing is, even when they were mumbling, and looking down at the ground and so forth, Dean and Brando had charisma. They were connected to their roles. Yeah. They cared about them. And here, he doesn't seem to be connecting with anyone. Wow. Ebert being a little harsh. Throwing some dirt on the dead guy. Jeez. <laughs> He's like the fucking grave digger. Yeah. Ebert never held back, though. He didn't, he didn't really care. He dug him up just to put him back in. Yeah. If you, were, <laughs> if you were dying as the movie came out, he'd fucking he'd put you right in the ground. Yeah. He he'd unplug care. you. Yeah, he'd unplug you. <laughs> and like Chris Farley after him, Rivers seemed to lose some of his spark. Mm. What do you think? You saw a clip. Yeah. It d- did seem like he was messed up. Is he that good of an actor? <laughs> he, he was doing his research, yeah. remember? <laughs> At some point, you're like, hey, I'm doing more research for the next role. And like, you're just, you're just a drug addict. You know, it's, everyone knows it. Like, let's stop playing around here. In October 2011, director George Sluzer announced that he had the footage of Dark Blood because it had never been released. And he was currently re-editing the material, hoping to release it by 2012, which he did. His last release. The movie never really went anywhere. And I do have a clip from the trailer. The family, the Phoenix estate, released a statement, quote, In regard to releasing Rivers' last film, Joaquin Phoenix and his family have not been in communication with the director, nor will they participate in any way. Well, and based on this trailer, I don't blame them. <laughs> you look nice in that. I need some help. Got to get this right or you'll never get out of here. You wouldn't want that now, would you? No. He's got the entire fucking engine in pieces. I make such a mess of things. 
What the fuck is going on here? It's so poorly edited. Look at this. I never wanted to kill a man before. <laughs> That's it? released the trailer in that state. That he lost his touch. It looks like Stevie Wonder edited that thing. <laughs> There's like random shots that come up that shouldn't be there. Yeah. The titles are crap. Yeah, the audio levels like jump from one cut to another. This is from his official channel. That's hilarious. And these are like bad takes. And River I Phoenix. I hate to see the good takes. I know. River Phoenix is about to do interview with the vampire. What the fuck is he doing this movie for? And this is the one that his dad told him not to do. Yeah. Right? Why did he do this movie? That's going to be the biggest question. Yeah, it's Judy Davies is nothing that no. spectacular. If you're River Phoenix, who the hell wants to work with Judy Davis? Yeah, because he knows she's going to do the ref one day. She's very good at the ref. <laughs> she's very good at the ref. But that should not inform his decision, decision to make a really crappy and movie. And obviously that, that she's going to do a movie in six years. <laughs> that that yeah. would make no sense. Well, the ref was <laughs> at this time as well. But. No, it was 97, actually. It was released in 94. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I stand corrected. Another posthumous release is a Sam Shepard movie called Silent Tongue, which is also quite bizarre. And it made Ebert's worst of list as oh, well. No. <laughs> <laughs> Poor River. Just a little bit of the aftermath here. Tributes. About River, Flea says, quote, I didn't know that people who were that kind and generous in spirit and thoughtful existed. I'd never met anyone who didn't try to exploit me or use my vulnerabilities against me or tease the fucked up parts of me and judge me. He changed my life forever in that way. Flea had never met anyone that, that bullied him like that or <laughs> that's crazy. I know he's going around naked. I know. He'd run into yeah. someone that made him feel strange. <laughs> Gus Van Sant dedicated his 1993 movie, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, to him. Gee, thanks. <laughs> that movie was infamously trash. Trash. <laughs> it's one of the worst movies of the 90s, it's yeah. considered. Oof. I think that was a little overdone at the time, but it seriously was one of the big turkeys when it was released. And then also. I like the term turkey. <laughs> Sister Rain released an album called River, dedicated to her brother. And when Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor for Joker, in his speech, he said, quote, When he was 17, my brother wrote this lyric. He said, run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. That's apparently something that Rivers said a lot. You give a shout out to Heath Ledger, too. That was nice of him. Yeah. Good speech, except for some of the rambling political stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And River would also write that to fans in response to the letters they sent him. So you know what I say? R.I.P. River Phoenix. Amen. Well said. Amen, brother. Yeah. Final thoughts. I don't know. Yeah, I think you can't really beat him in that sneakers movie, in my opinion. <laughs> nice. I think he was great. I no, I <laughs> running on empty. Yeah. Check that out. I'm definitely gonna have to see that. It yeah. sounds great. But uh, yeah, it's gone too soon. A uh, a talent gone too soon. And a clear downward trajectory yeah. after my own private Idaho. Uh -huh. You know, unfortunately, that's where his drug use really ramped up and escalated until his death. Yeah, I think he was an addict. And I think he fooled himself into thinking like, yeah, I could do it this weekend and then but not next weekend and do it here and not there. And 
if you're an addict, you're an addict, and you're, it's just going to keep chasing you around like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to show in your personal life. You have to hit rock bottom. Yeah. If you're that kind of addict and survive. He was nowhere near that, unfortunately. To get better. Yeah. And he had tons of money and, you know, Hollywood loved him and, you know. And his rock bottom ended with his death. Yeah. And then the other thing I just think of is the friends and family that night. Hearing Joaquin on that 911 call, they were visiting, hanging out together, ending with his death on the sidewalk. Yeah. And then after that, paparazzi, helicopters, cars, like Princess Diana, they would follow the Phoenix family around as they're dealing with his death. I cannot even imagine what that was like. Mm, Yeah. Another account is saying Frusciante was holed up in a mansion uh, after the night in question, threatening to kill himself because he thought police were looking for the person who supplied the drugs to River. Oh, wow. Like So he was ready to kill himself instead of go to jail. So he knew... There was some level of guilt that he had. It's possible. Okay, well, we have a theory here. Mm, There's Um, a thread. Yeah, because he thought he was looking at second-degree murder. This is all alleged by possible uh, people who were there that night. Yeah, and he really got fucked up after this, John Frusciante. Like, he was, like, on death's door himself. I remember there was a video of him making a documentary, and he was, like, fucking frail and, like, fucked up. And then they got Anthony Kiedis's, uh response to it, and he's like, yeah, the, our, you know, John's really fucked up there. Mm. And so, yeah, I think... Kicked he, out of the band. And he came back around, and it was, like... As of the late 90s, he was like back in it 100%. And he's still in it. He was on, they were on Stern not too long ago, mm-hmm. uh, talking about Taylor Hawkins dying and stuff, uh, who also died of a, a drug overdose recently. And from the Foo Fighters. From the Foo Fighters, yeah. And they asked John Versante, what do you think about uh, Kurt Cobain and, and Nirvana and stuff? He's like, they're all right. Like, like, (laughs) I I implore you to listen to this interview. He's like, I didn't kill River. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I didn't ask you that. I didn't see that part either. Yeah. You should listen to this because John Frasante is like, he's wild these days. (laughs) He's he's got some wild things to say. Added to the list of recommendations from this episode. Yeah, Yeah, for real. Absolutely. You got your hands full now or some media to check out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, follow us on Twitter. Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, TikTok. Yes. We're all over the fucking place. And if you're listening right now on Apple or Spotify, our two biggest platforms for the audio version, please just stop and rate us. Yes. Give us five stars and write one word, right? One word. Whatever. You can even trash us as long as you give (laughs) us five stars. Yeah. We just need some text for some reason in the review. I don't know why that is, but it helps, and uh, we appreciate it, and we love you guys. We love you. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye now. Don't go dying on us. You have just heard... A true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. The movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.